And to all of you who are present, I greet you in the magnetic, magnanimous, magnificent, mighty, marvelous, monumental, majestic, miraculous, indescribable, indestructible, incomparable, extraordinary, superlative, unique, wonderful name of Jesus. Greetings in Jesus' name, everybody. You could say I feel like the late cousin Minnie Pearl of the Grand Ole Opry. I'm so glad to be here. I want to thank Bishop Kenny for inviting me, and I want to thank all of you for receiving me so warmly. I want to thank his personal secretary, Sister Pam, who was so competent and efficient in giving me the proper context. And I'm here in Jesus' name. I was came yesterday, and the plane was broke, and we got here late. And there was a lady on the plane who insisted that they fly the broke plane. And I said to her, I said, Madam, you look intelligent. She said she had to come to Louisiana to transact a multi-million dollar business deal. I said, lady, that's insignificant. I'm going to Louisiana to talk about Jesus. And I said to her, what I'm going to do is way more important than what you're going to do. And I said, let them fix this plane. I would rather for Bishop Kenny to say, St. Johnny James will arrive late than say, St. the late Johnny James will not arrive. So I'm glad to be here, and I'm here in Jesus' name. Let's go to work. 34th Psalm, verse 3, Psalms 138, 2, and St. John 3 and 30. I tell everybody everywhere I go, if you don't have a Bible, buy it. If you have a Bible, read it. If you read the Bible, believe it. If you believe the Bible, study it. If you study the Bible, live it. If you live the Bible, witness it. So all of you that have a Bible, 34 Psalm verse 3, Psalms 138, 2, and St. John 3, 30. 34 Psalm verse 3, it says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Psalms 138, 2, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. And St. John 3 and 30 says, He must increase, then I must decrease. You may be seated. Every scripture in the Bible, I understand it, has a proper interpretation in its context. But remember, please, all of the Bible in some way is related to the rest of the Bible. All of the Bible is for the church, but all of the Bible is not to the church. These are some things we have to understand when we talk about interpreting the scriptures. Several years ago, about three years, I had an opportunity to be a Bible presenter for a group called Faith, Science, and the Future. This is more or less a social, political, religious organization. And in this three-day conference, I had the opportunity to be around a celebrity. This 
particular celebrity, I'm not going to call his name because I wouldn't want to embarrass him. All of you have heard of him. They say he is one of the five best-known black men in America. I was around him for three days. And the three days I was around this gentleman, I checked him out. And at the end of the three days, I spoke to him. And I said to him, I said, man, I've been watching you for three days. I said, I am underwhelmed and I'm disappointed and let down. I said, you are a celebrity. People look up to you. They think that you're almost God. I said, I found out in these three days you are egotistically intoxicated. You are self-centered. You are narrow-minded. You're unchristian and ungodly. I said, man, I've been watching you for three days. And I said to this outstanding celebrity, the better I look, the worse you look. And I said to him, the closer I got, the smaller you got. I said to him, you ain't my hero. You're not my role model. I don't look up to you. I said, my hero is named Jesus. And I said, he ain't nothing like you. I said, but for a comparative analysis, the better I look, the worse you look, the closer I got, the smaller you got. But when it comes about Jesus, the better I look, the better he looks. The closer I get, the bigger he gets. And that brings me to the text, Psalm 34, 3. It says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. The subject for the lesson is, the closer you look, the better he looks. The closer you look, the better he looks. Now the text says, brothers and sisters and ladies and gentlemen, it says, magnify the Lord with me. This 34th Psalm comes out of an incident that David had in 1 Samuel. The Lord gave David a miraculous deliverance. He had to play a role and he faked like he was crazy or psychotic, neurotic or hypnotic or something, and the Lord delivered him, so he stopped and had a praying service, and he worshiped. And in that psalm, he says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Now, notice what he says here. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. The closer you look, the better he looks. Magnify. There it is. Magnify the Lord. Well, the 100th Psalm, verse 3 says, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. St. John 4.24 says, God is a spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, the Lord is that spirit. Acts 9 and 5 says, Jesus is the Lord. So by way of deduction, to magnify the Lord is to magnify the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Everybody says, I came to magnify the Lord. Hold it before you start out magnifying the Lord, let me remind you that Mr. Webster said in the Webster's Complete Unabridged Dictionary on page 508, column 2 and paragraph 33, that the word magnify means to enlarge, enhance, blow up, expand, or make bigger. Now we got a problem. If the word magnify means to make bigger, what can anybody do to make Jesus any bigger? He is so big, he fills up all of space. He is so big, he is everywhere, here right now, everywhere, 
there right now, leaving you, coming to you, ain't never went nowhere in the first place. How in the world can somebody magnify Jesus? Without our help, before we showed up, before the creation of the world, Jesus was already the God that he is. Listen, in Revelation 19, 16, Jesus is the superlative wonder of the universe. In Revelation 19, 16, he's the king of kings. 1 Timothy 6, 15, he's the Lord of lords. Daniel 2, 47, he's the God of gods. Daniel 8, 25, he's the prince of princes. Isaiah 9 and 6, he's the wonder of wonders. Song of Solomon 1, 1 and 2, he's the lover of lovers. Hebrews 2, 10, he's the captain of captains. 1 Peter 2, 25, he's the bishop of bishops. Philippians 3 and 8, he is the science of sciences. The third verse of the book of Jude, he's the faith of faith. He's all of that, all by himself, without nobody's help. And you gonna make him bigger? Ain't nothing that nobody can do to make Jesus any bigger. But if the Bible said, magnify the Lord, it's got to be possible. Notice now, whenever you magnify anything, you've got to have the proper instrumentation or instruments of magnification. And when you magnify something with a telescope to see a star or a microscope to see a protozoa or a microscopic organism, what you magnify never changes its original size. Microscopes and telescopes don't change the size of nothing. All the microscope and the telescope does is give you the proper instrument to see something like it really is. And when you see it like it really is, then it becomes magnified to you. There's a clock in the back that says it's 1101. I see that clock. Take my glasses off. I can't even tell it's a clock on the wall without my glasses. What did my glasses do to the clock? Nothing. Because last week I wasn't here and the clock was there. The purpose of my glasses are not to change the clock, but to allow me to see the clock correctly. I'm nearsighted. When I went to take my examination for the military, I left my eyeglasses at home. And when I got to the eye doctor, he said, read the chart on the wall. I said, what wall? I don't see no wall. To magnify the Lord, you've got to have the instruments. Well, let me say it like it is and get to the issue of this thing. If you plan on magnifying the Lord, I'm going to tell you right now, the Bible is the telescope. And holiness is the microscope. The telescope brings him big. The telescope brings him close. And holiness makes him big. And when you see Jesus through the telescopic lens of the Word of God and the microscope of holiness, I'll guarantee you, when you see Jesus, the closer you look, the better he looks. And the closer you get, the bigger he gets. And the closer you get, the smaller you get. Magnify the Lord. See Jesus like he really is. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So the Bible then is a telescope. The Bible is a telescope that brings Jesus close. The Bible is really 
Jesus' credentials. Suppose Jesus would come to Alexandria, Louisiana, on Monday and open up an office. What could Jesus hang on the wall for his credentials? The lawyer hangs his law degree on the wall. The doctor hangs her medical degree on the wall. The certified public accountant hangs their accounting degree on the wall. Jesus didn't go to Louisiana State. Jesus didn't go to Texas A&M. Jesus didn't go to Harvard. And the reason Jesus didn't go to school is because school has recess and Jesus don't play. Since Jesus didn't go to school and since Jesus don't have no degree, what could Jesus hang on the wall for his credentials? Nothing but the word of God. <laughs> We had a man on board last night, a United States senator, a United States senator. I was born the first time, April 1, 1930. That made me a citizen of the greatest country in the history of the world, the United States of America. I'm not a world traveler, but I have been in about as many countries as there are states. I'll say, as a black man, I'll say this positively, absolutely, and unequivocally, the United States of America at its worst is better than anywhere in the whole world at its best. That first birth made me a citizen of the United States of America, but I was born the second time, June 22nd, 1954. That birth made me a citizen of another country. The man talked about last night called heaven. I'm a citizen of another country. I got a dual citizenship. I belong to the greatest country on earth, and I belong to the only country in heaven. <laughs> my earthly president is Bill Clinton, and my heavenly president is Jesus Christ. He said, who authorized me to call Jesus President Jesus? Didn't the Bible say in 1 Timothy 6.15, Jesus is the king immortal and the only potentate? The word potentate is from the Greek noun, dunasis. And the word potentate means a high officer with great authority. That high officer got to be Jesus because in Ephesians 4 and 9, he ascended above all heavens. That makes him the highest. He got all the authority because the Bible said in Matthew 28, 18, he said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. So being the highest officer with the most authority, I'm authorized to call him President Jesus. The Bible told us all about our president before he showed up. Our president. I'm not talking about President Clinton, not talking about President Nixon, President Ford, not talking about President Carter, President Johnson, or President Kennedy. When I say our president, I'm talking about President Jesus. The Bible told us about our president before he got here because the Bible gives you the credentials of Jesus. The Bible predicted in Genesis 3.15 that Jesus would come from the seed of the woman. 4,000 years before he was born, the prediction was given. Drink that in your little sanctified teacup. Seed of the woman. The woman don't have no seed. The male sperm of the seed fertilizes the woman's egg. I ain't dealing in biology. I'm not dealing in heredity. I'm not dealing in genetics. I'm dealing in God's word now. The Bible said 
He'd be the seed of the woman. The Bible predicted in Genesis 9:26 that Jesus would come from the lineage of Shem. The Bible predicted in Genesis 28:14 Jesus would come from the nation of Israel. The Bible predicted in Genesis 49 and 10 Jesus would come from the tribe of Judah. The Bible predicted that Jesus would come Isaiah 11 right of Jesse. The Bible predicted Micah 5 and 2 Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. The Bible predicted Daniel 9, 26 and 7, he will be assassinated or crucified after 69 weeks. The Bible predicted, 16 Psalm verse 10, he will rise from the grave. The Bible predicted, 68 Psalm verse 18, he will ascend up into heaven. The Bible predicted, in Joel 2, 28, he will ascend back the Holy Ghost. The Bible predicted, in Malachi 3 and 1, he's coming back again. They close the book. <coughs> For 400 years, silence. And then Jesus showed up. And with one exception, everything that the Bible said President Jesus was going to do, he did it. She is a woman born of the Virgin Mary. Lineage of Shem, he did that. Nation of Israel, he did that. Tribe of Judah, he did that. Family of David, he did that. Born in Bethlehem, he was born right there. Assassinated after 69 weeks. They did that. Rise from the grave. He did that. Ascend up into heaven. He did that. Send back the Holy Ghost. We got back everything the Bible said he would do. He did it with one exception. I will come again. Our President Jesus is coming back again. <clears throat> The man, the man, the man sure told us about it last night. Listen, when you hear preaching like you heard last night, usually when you hear a good sermon, you say, my God, what a preacher. Last night, after I heard that, I said, my God, what a Christ. My God, what a Savior. My God, what a Redeemer. Jesus, President Jesus. It's coming back again. And when Jesus comes, I tell you what, the Bible will be verified. When Jesus comes, the entire church will be unified. When Jesus comes, your works will be classified. When Jesus comes, the devil will be horrified. When Jesus comes, Israel will be vivified. When Jesus comes, the earth will be beautified. When Jesus comes, the creation will be gratified. When when Jesus comes, he will be satisfied because he's coming back again. He's coming back again. <laughs> so the hymnologist told us, magnify the Lord. Well, the old, the Bible is a telescope. And notice, if you want to magnify Jesus, you got to get in the word. The Bible brings him up close where you can see him correctly. And the Bible brings him up close where you can see him like he is. Jesus stamped his signature in the Bible. In Genesis 3.15, Genesis 9.26, and Genesis 49.10, he's the seed of the woman, lineage of Shem, and the Shiloh from the tribe of Judah. In Exodus 3.14, Jesus is the Ayah Asher Ayah. 
the I am that I am. We call him the great I am. The devil is the great I am not, but Jesus is the great I am. In Leviticus 4 and 3, Jesus is the sin offering. He stamped his signature in the book. The Bible is the telescope. In Leviticus 4 and 3, he's a sin offering. Number 24, 17, he's a star out of Jacob and the scepter out of Israel. In Deuteronomy 6 and 4, he is the one Lord. Joshua 5, 15, he's the captain of the Lord's host. 13th chapter of Judges, verse 20, he's the ascended God. In Ruth 4 and 7, he's the kinsman redeemer. In 1 Samuel 7 and 12, Jesus is our Ebenezer. Hitherto has the Lord helped us. In 2 Samuel 22, 32, he's God the rock. 1 Kings 8 and 11, he's the kind of glory in the house of God. 2 Kings 2, 11, he's God the translator. 1 Chronicles 17, 11, he's the seed of David, Israel's king. 2 Chronicles 2 and 5, Jesus is the greatest of all gods. Ezra 3.11, he's the foundation of Zion. Nehemiah 2.17, he's the wall of salvation. Esther 1 and 20, he's the hidden God revealed. Job 19.25, he's the ever-living redeemer. Psalms 138.2, he's the magnified word. Proverbs 8.22, he's wisdom in person. Ecclesiastes 1 and 9, he's something new by this world. In the Song of Solomon, 5.16, he's altogether lovely. In Isaiah 9 and 6, he's the real Mr. Wonderful. He's the great counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. <laughs> In Jeremiah 10.10, Jesus is the true God. Lamentations 1.18, He's the righteous Lord. Ezekiel 1.16, he's the wheel in the middle of the wheel. Daniel 7.13, he's the ancient of days. Hosea 2.15, he's the door of hope in the valley of Acre. Joel 2.28, he's the one who baptized with the Holy Ghost. Amos 9.11, he is the great restorer. Obadiah verse 3, he's the God who puts up and he's the God who brings down. Jonah 3 and 1, I see Jesus as the resurrected Lord taking salvation to the Gentiles. In Micah 5 and 2, he is the ruler who is from everlasting. Nahum 1 and 2, he's a jealous God. Habakkuk 3 and 3, he's the Holy One. Zephaniah 3, 17, he's God in the midst. Haggai 1 and 7, he's Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. Zechariah 13, 1, he's a fountain open in the house of David. Malachi 4 and 2, he's the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. Matthew said he was the king. Mark said he was a servant. Luke said he was a man, but John said he's a word made flesh. Matthew told you what Jesus taught. Mark told you what Jesus wrought. Luke told you what Jesus brought, but John told you what Jesus thought. <coughs> In the book of Acts, Jesus is the Holy Ghost working. In the church. In Romans 3.24, Jesus is our justifier. In 1 Corinthians one and two, Jesus is our sanctifier. In Second Corinthians five and one, Jesus is our glorifier. Galatians five nineteen through twenty two, Jesus is our purifier. 
in Ephesians 4.11, Jesus is our qualifier. Colossians 4.11, Philippians 4.11, Jesus is our satisfier. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus is our pacifier. In 1 Thessalonians 4.17, when Christ comes for his saints, he will magnify us. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 1, when Christ comes back with his saints, he is going to classify us. Yeah. Magnify and classify. First time Jesus comes, church goes up. Next time he comes, church comes down. That which goes up must come down. If you don't go up, you can't come down. In 1 Timothy 2 and 5, Jesus is our mediator. 2 Timothy 2.19, he's the foundation of God to stand sure. Titus 2.13, Jesus is the great God and our Savior. In the book of Philemon, Jesus is the friend to the underdog. In Hebrews 4.14, Jesus is the great high priest. That's the fellow who gives the sacrifice. In Hebrews 7.27, Jesus is the sacrifice that the priest gives. He ain't just the priest that gives the sacrifice. He is also the sacrifice that the priest gives. The priest gives the sacrifice at the altar. In Hebrews 13 and 10, Jesus, who is the priest that gives the sacrifice, and the sacrifice that the priest gives is the altar where the priest gives it. And in Hebrews 13 and 20, God receives the sacrifice. Can you dig it? Jesus! who is the priest, sacrifice, and altar is the great big God that receives the sacrifice. <laughs> and James, he stamped his signature in the book. The telescope brings him close. From the closer you see Jesus, the better he looks. In James 5, 15, he's Dr. Jesus, healing the sick. The Bible said if you're being sick among you, you ain't got white cross, blue cross, I got sick over in England, and they didn't accept my Medicare, and my Jan John Hancock wasn't no good, and my Newton of Omaha wasn't no good. Here I am in the UK sick, but I called on Dr. Jesus. The Bible said, call the elders of the church, and the Bible said, they will anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. Keep your priorities straight. It ain't the oil, it's the name. You can use motor oil, transmission oil, cooking oil, sewing machine oil, three-in-one oil, or olive oil. But you better use the name of Jesus. You better use that name. It's in the name. <laughs> in 1 Peter 1 and 12, Jesus is the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Church of God in Christ loves to brag. Church of God in Christ says, we got the thing fell out of heaven. Luke 10, 18, Jesus says, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Everything came from heaven made good. The Holy Ghost was sent down from heaven, and the devil got kicked out of heaven. In 2 Peter 1 and 12, Jesus is the present truth. In 1 John 4, 8, Jesus is love. In 2 John, he's truth in us. In 3 John, he's the truth around us. In the 25th verse of the book of Jude, Jesus is the only wise God. He ain't the only God. He's the only one God. That, he's the only God. God in his sense. He's the only wise God. And in Revelation 1 and 8, he's like the Alpha and Omega. He's God's alphabet. So Jesus stamped his signature 
in the Bible. The Bible is the telescope. The telescope brings Jesus close. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Look at the Jesus of the Bible. When you see the Jesus of the Bible, the closer you look, the better he looks. The better you look, the better he looks. The closer you get, the bigger he gets. And the bigger he gets, smaller you get. So the telescope brings him close. And in conclusion, holiness makes him big. Telescopes bring things close. Microscope makes things big. The Bible is a telescope, and holiness is the microscope. That's why you want to magnify the Lord, live holy. Want to magnify the Lord, be sanctified. Want to magnify the Lord, don't be like the world. Holiness magnifies the Lord. <laughs> don't you know God saved you out of the world to not be like the world? And if God would have wanted you to be like the world, God would have left you out there in the world. God brought you out of the world, and he brought you out for one reason, to be holy. To be holy. When St. Paul wrote to the saints in Ephesus, he said in Ephesians 1 and 4, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy. According as he, that's who, has chosen us. That's what? In him. That's where? Before the foundation of the world. That's when? The bottom of line is why? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Let me say it. Want to magnify the Lord? Be a microscope to the world. Make Jesus big. Live holy. You're in the world, but you are not of the world. God saved you to be different. Don't tell me you need to be like them. God saved you to be different. You belong to a heavenly city and a heavenly country, and you are not like the world. <laughs> I, have a, I have a daughter, and my daughter works for three airlines. She speaks Japanese, and she's an international rate desk clerk. So her working for three airlines, I can ride on some airlines free and some at almost nothing. But notice now, because I'm riding on the privilege of being my daughter's father, the airlines have a certain dress code. I can't fall up in the airport looking like Peter Tramp. You can't go like that. I can't go to the airport with all hair on my face looking like a black grizzly bear. The airlines have a dress code, and I got to dress like they want. I can't get on board. Don't tell me that Jesus ain't got much sense of airlines. Don't tell me that Jesus don't know much of Northwest Airlines. Don't tell me how you dress don't make no difference. It does make a difference. He called you to be holy. <laughs> The Bible says, the Bible said in 1 John 2, 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Holiness is separation from the world. We don't look like them. We don't dress like them. We don't think like them. We don't talk like them because we have another country. Holiness is the microscope. And holiness... Holiness is simply, in a biblical context, purity. Holiness is God's chief attribute. God is more protective of his holiness 
than anything he has. Some folk think that God is so protective of his power. Ain't nobody drunk on power, but the folk ain't got none. How is power going to carry God away when he got it all? God is protective of his holiness. He requires us, be ye holy. God is omnipotent. He ain't never said, be ye omnipotent, because I'm omnipotent. God is omnipresent. He never said, be ye omnipresent, because I'm omnipresent. God is omniscient. He never said, be ye omniscient, because I am omniscient. But he said in 1 Peter 1.16, pointing back to Leviticus 19 and 2, as it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Holiness is not a need more. Holiness is not a want more. Holiness is not an option. Holiness is a got to have. Superintendent Tenney told us last night, Hebrews 12, 14, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So I'll say to my apostolic brothers and sisters, don't let nobody change you. Don't let nobody turn you around. You don't want to be like them. I tell them all the time, my goal is to not be like you. My goal is to not dress like you. My goal is to not talk like you. My goal is to be different from you. Because I belong to Jesus Christ. And you don't. <laughs> all you got to do when you go to work Monday, you're a sanctified man, you're an apostolic brother. When you go to work Monday, all you got to do is look at the fellas on your job and just don't do like them. That's all you got to do. You a sanctified woman. All you got to do is walk in your office and look at the women on your job and don't look like them. Look at them. They're all painted up looking like a pagan female goddess that inherited the cosmetic department of a Kmart store. All dressed up looking like a Las Vegas showgirl. All you got to do, don't be like them. Don't you know, sister, the apostolic woman is the most beautiful flower in the female garden. Don't know woman on the planet look good as an apostolic woman. She don't need all that F.A. louder. She got Holy Ghost power. It ain't Mary Kay. It's the Jesus way. You're the best looking thing on the planet. You don't want to be like them. <coughs> don't, sisters, don't get intimidated. Don't put all that stuff on and tell Jesus, Jesus, you didn't make me right. Don't let that, don't let the world trick you like that. That, that worldly woman give me big scare. It's black to roots and short to hair. Her eyelashes false, face all paint. The pads is where the woman she ain't. Her dress is so short, you can see it all. It don't matter whether she's short or tall. She flashed them eyes. She loves to flirt. She wiggled and shake in a miniskirt. She jitterbug when she should walk. I even think her name is false. But the apostolic woman don't take no mess. She got Jesus on the inside. She know how to dress. The apostolic woman, she looks so nice. She knows who she is. She bought with her price. The apostolic woman is good a lot because what you see is what you got. <coughs> we don't want to be like them. We don't need to be like them. And when you refuse, when you refuse to be like the world, you are magnifying the Lord. They don't read the Bible, but they'll see the Lord in you. You want to magnify the Lord? Be holy. Want to magnify the Lord? Don't be like the world. Be different from them. You belong to Jesus Christ. 
You belong to Jesus Christ. You know, belonging to Jesus is what makes everything different. We had two senators here last night. We know what's happening. The politician views you as a voter. The attorney views you as a client. The physician sees you as a patient. The educational system calls you a student. The airlines call you a passenger. The hotel calls you a guest. The bank calls you a depositor. The retailer calls you a shopper. The sports promoter calls you a fan. The folk across the street call you a neighbor, but Jesus calls you mine. He says, you belong to me. You live for me. You walk by my rule and walk by my word. Let me encourage you. Magnify the Lord. The closer you look, the better he looks. Live for Jesus Christ. And don't let nobody change you. I wouldn't be anything but this. I wouldn't let nobody change me from this. I'm going to preach this apostolic oneness, Jesus' name, holiness message till I die or till I fly. And I don't even care which one comes first. It's right all by itself. <clears throat> people, here's what people say about apostolics. They say, y'all think y'all better than everybody. We ain't said what we think. That's what they think. Because we haven't even said what we thought. They think we better. Listen, brothers and sisters, the world knows that we have something that they don't have. Don't let the world take it away from us. The world has hijacked and kidnapped as much as they can. Don't let them kidnap holiness. Don't let them kidnap our great message. We have the only message on earth that tells you how to make the trip from earth to heaven. <clears throat> I tell people everywhere I go, I say, can't nobody get saved till they see us. In the New Testament, us refers to God's apostolic church. I say, can't nobody get saved till they see us. They say, man, you ought to be whipped with an ignorant stick. What you mean, can't nobody get saved till they see us? I said, look, the Bible said in 2 Corinthians 5, 19, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Reconciliation is how God draws sinners to himself. They got to come to us because us got the word of reconciliation. And before I take it back, I add more to it. Ain't nobody going to heaven lest they go with us. Didn't Paul say to the saints in Thessalonica, verse 16, chapter 4, that the dead in Christ going to rise when? First. Why are they going to rise first? Because they're six feet down. Got to get a head start. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. And the Bible said, we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them. We're going to be caught up. I want to add to your point. We is us. 
Christ said, we ain't us. I said, we is us. They said, we ain't us. I said, we is us. Because the Bible said in Psalms 126.3, the Lord have done great things for us, whereof we are glad. He did it for us, and we got glad. So we is us, and us is glad, and us got the trip, and the way to make it on the heavenly trip to go back with Jesus when he comes. <laughs> We've got that transforming message that the world needs. Don't let anybody dilute you. Don't let nobody change you. People say, well, they treat the sinners on my job better than me, but the, the sinners on your job live here. You live in another country. You're just passing by here, and you are foreigner. You can't expect good treatment in a foreign country. Don't let nobody change you. You live for Jesus Christ. Because this is a great heritage that we have. This apostolic truth is the greatest truth on planet Earth. We are the only ones can tell people how to make the trip from Earth to glory. It comes from, well, why do you think they call it the B-I-B-L-E? I talked to a Muslim. I said, how do you get saved and go to heaven? The Muslim brother got so quiet, you could hear a rat licking ice. I said, you got a Bible or a book? I said, the Quran. I said, how do you, you go to heaven safely? He couldn't answer me. I told him what the Bible said. That's why we call it the B-I-B-L-E. The Hindu Vedas can't tell it. The Muslim Quran can't tell it. The five kings of Confucianism can't tell it. The works of Lenin can't tell it. It's the B-I-B-L-E. Best instructions before leaving earth. Get your instructions. Get your directions from the Bible. And I don't promise you smooth sailing, but I'll guarantee you a happy landing. <laughs> Read the Bible and be safe. Believe the Bible. Read the Bible and be wise. Practice the Bible and be holy. A fellow just said to me, he said, Johnny, you appear to be intelligent. Are you stupid enough to believe that Jesus actually changed water into wine. I said, yeah, man, I'm stupid enough to believe that Jesus actually changed water into wine. He said, man, the fermentation process takes two years to make mediocre wine. How in the world could Jesus instantaneously change water into wine? He challenged me. He said, could you go into a court of law and testify that you saw Jesus change water in the wine. I said, no, young man, I could not go into a court of law and testify that I saw Jesus turn water or change water into wine. But I could go into a court of law and testify I was there June 22nd, 1954, when Jesus changed me from an ain't to a saint. I was there when Jesus changed me from zero to a hero. I was there when Jesus changed me from a brother to an eagle. I was there when Jesus changed me from a never-end to a never-end. I've seen Jesus change young men from gangbangers to choir singers. I've seen Jesus change young women from street walkers to tongue talkers. I've seen Jesus change them from bar stools to church pews. I've seen Jesus change them from the street corner to the amen corner. I've seen him change them from the crack house to the church house. I've seen him change them from the pool room to the prayer room. I know what 
Jesus can do. I'm going to live for Jesus. Jesus Christ has changed us. And we got to magnify him. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. <coughs> and can nobody change you like Jesus? No way. In St. John 10, 10, Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Life is a change of existence. Titus 2, 11 says, the grace of God to bring us salvation has appeared to all men. Grace is a change of favor. In Ephesians 2 and 4, we get mercy. Mercy is a change of heart. Hebrews 11 and 1, we got faith, a change in confidence. Romans 14 and 17, we have hope. Hope is a change in desire. 1 John 5, 8, 4 and 8, we have love. Love is a change of affection. Romans 14 and 17, we got joy. Joy is a change of emotion. 2 Timothy, or 2 Timothy 2.24, we got gentleness. Gentleness is a change in manner. 1 Peter 5 and 5, we have humility. Humility is a change in spirit. Hebrews 12, 14, holiness is a change in living. Acts 20 and 28, the blood is a change in life. Galatians 2 and 20, crucifixion is a change in death. Matthew 18 and 3, conversion is a change in direction. Luke 24, 47, repentance is a change in mind. Acts 2, 38, remission is a change in sentence. Romans 6 and 4, baptism is a change in elements. We got to change. Romans 8, 17, glorification, a change in realm. Romans 12 and 2, transfer a change in likeness. St. John 5:29. Resurrection. A change in substance. Revelation 21 and 2. Destination. A change in dwelling. Can't nobody change it like Jesus. And the Bible said in 1 John 3 and 1, we're going to be like him. Like him. And see him as he is. <clears throat> we will be up there in heaven standing around the throne. And over there on the other side of heaven, Bishop Kenny, he won't be Bishop Kenny over there because we'll be in the glorified state. We'll be talking to Jesus. And I'll be standing here talking to his precious wife on this side, Sister Kenny. And he's over there, Superintendent Kenny, talking to Jesus. And we're talking about the glorious times we had in the Louisiana district. And then Sister Kenny looks over there at her husband on earth talking to Jesus. The Bible said we're going to be like him. And she turns to me and she says, which one is RF and which one is Jesus? We're going to be just like him. And the Bible says we're going to see him as he is. So live for him. Magnify the Lord with your holy life. Let the holiness you have be the microscope. Let the Bible be the telescope. The telescope brings him close. And the microscope makes Jesus big. And when you bring him close and make him big, then only have you magnified the Lord. And when you bring him close and make him big, the closer you look, the better he looks. <laughs>